0: ever had that situation where you find yourself maybe in a different room than where you originally thought to look for something you wander into the room and you're just kind of standing there and then someone else in the room says what you looking for or what is it you want and uh, you say I don't remember (laughs) and maybe you think it's uh, I'll just go back and sit down and I'll remember it or something like that. Or maybe someone has caught you with your uh, your face in the refrigerator door. I don't know uh, if that ever happens to you. And someone says, what you looking for? I don't know. Um, I don't know what I'm looking for. I don't even know why I opened this door. I think it's just a force of habit that I was coming here looking uh, in this door. And sometimes we find ourselves not sure what we want. Whether it's uh, trying to determine what we want to eat or what we were thinking we want to do. Or anything along those lines. And as I thought about this series out of the book of Titus, I, I, I just saw Paul talking about the importance of a proper pursuit or something that you're looking for. And so, as I thought about that, I thought, uh, as I knew what is covered in Titus, and I knew it talks considerably about uh, the important role of a pastor, and I know that you folks are in a situation where you're looking for a senior pastor to lead you, so I knew these all came together, but I thought about what is it that people are looking for in a pastor? And some of you might complete this Phrase a little bit differently than others in the room. As you try to answer the question, what am I looking for uh, in a pastor? I want a pastor that, and you can fill in that blank with maybe something about what their lo- stage of life is. I'd like to have a pastor that is in the stage of life where I am so I can better identify with him and his family. Or maybe I want a pastor that has strengths in a particular area, uh, whether it be in preaching, or counseling, or visitation, or, or, or uh, maybe even one that just loves to play volleyball. I don't know. But the, the idea is we have those things that we look at in regard to a pastor And one item that Paul seems to be pressing in this passage of Titus as he writes to this young man, he writes to him uh, under the, the the just really the driven message of a pursuit for godliness. Am I looking for someone to come into my life to help me become more like Jesus, to pursue godliness? And as we consider what Paul says in Titus over these next several weeks, and as we uh, really consider what our heart wants, may we look from a perspective of, would God help this church bring a pastor that will help you pursue godliness in a very intentional fashion? So as we look at this, I've uh, I've enjoyed studying this first introduction because I just kind of called it, you know, how do we uh, get some uh, gleanings from a greeting? Uh, sometimes the introductions are some of the most difficult parts of 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 something you want to say, and so you got all this content, and you think, how am I going to introduce this? And Paul is very consistent in how he introduces his letters, and and unlike what we do. Si- Simply, we tend to, if we write a letter, if we ever do, we tend to put our name at the bottom. Uh, but he puts his right at the very beginning. as That was the, the, uh, um, really the way they did things back then, so you knew who it was from. Uh, typically now, when you get an email, you know who it's from. So they don't have to say, hi, this is Scott. You know, you know that it's Scott because it says there on it. Uh, but the, the idea is that Paul is giving us some information regarding himself, And I think also what his purpose of writing, and he kind of gives us a little bit of information about the person he's writing to. But I've taken the liberty, as you'll see later on, to also look at some other areas that uh, describe... A Titus um, particularly in the book of 2nd Corinthians that will give us an idea of who this is being written to but let's first of all look about the uh, person of Paul Paul's person he calls himself a servant of God and apostle of Jesus Christ let's look first of all at that concept that he is a servant of God what a wonderful way to introduce yourself to to convey to others that I am willing to be a slave to what the purposes of God would be. I'm willing to, in a sense, in Romans chapter 12, where Paul says, make myself a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. Paul is willing to say that he is one who is underneath uh, the order and the command of God. His life is is dictated by that, and that's what his desire is. What's interesting about this description of Paul as the servant of God, this we will see is something that should be reproducible. In other words, every one of us ought to be able to make that our goal, to be a servant of God for us to make our desires submissive to God's desires, for us to take our dreams and bring them and align them up with what God would have us to do and what his will is, that this is something that when Paul talks about this, as he introduces himself to those he's writing to in each of his letters and particularly to Titus in this one, he is in a sense saying, this is where my life is, and I think by inference, this is where your life can be too. You can be a servant of God. I can be a servant of God. I can be one who chooses to make my priorities lined up with God's priorities. Now the second thing that he says, he says, I am apostle of Jesus Christ. Now if you understand how apostleship worked, apostleship had certain rules to that. One of those rules was that they had to have spent time or had uh, exposure to Jesus Christ. And we know that uh, the apostleship really faded out. And we'll talk a little bit later on in the message about uh, some of that transference of that, but Paul is really talking about something that is not reproducible. Uh, I don't think that you, you, you would want to call a pastor here that would help you become an apostle, okay? You would certainly want one that would help you become a servant of God, But apostle is something that we do not uh, ascribe to or desire because we believe it had a particular purpose. It bridged the time from when Jesus Christ was here and, uh, and it went up to heaven and brought his Holy Spirit down. And as they transitioned to something that's very important for us to recognize that God has given to us to replace that apostleship. But Paul emphasized his apostleship, saying that he was the apostle to the Gentiles. Now, you recall, Paul was not a part of the Twelve. Okay? He came on the scene after that. Uh, he uh, actually, prior to becoming an apostle, uh, he was actually in opposition to what Jesus had taught and what Jesus' followers were teaching, and in opposition to all the rest of the apostles. So in one sense, he was kind of like the anti-apostle for a while, He wanted to do everything he could to squelch an apostle. But then he had that experience on the road to Damascus and where he actually met Jesus, which uh, met one of the qualifications of being an apostle. And the other, obviously, is that Jesus said, You will be my servant, and you will suffer for me, and he was given this great responsibility of being the apostle to the Gentiles. But I'm going to make a, a, a case from the scripture here that that was replaceable, and Paul was wanting to make sure that Tim, Titus was helping those people in Crete replace the work of the apostles because they were going to die out. Peter was going to die, Paul was going to die, and they needed something to continue on in this, uh, in in the needs of the churches as, as they went forward. And so we went from this idea of who Paul is, and we could go on a couple sermons on describing Paul and I encourage you uh, if you're not familiar with Paul take some time to uh, read through the book of Acts uh, starting in about chapter 9 of Acts to give an idea of uh, his history and his testimony and what God's done for him or just pick up somewhere in the New Testament letters which they call the epistles. Uh, There's a lot of them that are written by him and God used him in some great ways to do that but let's look now at what his purpose is paul is uh, again writing to titus to give him some information he says i am paul i am a servant i am an apostle for the sake of the faith of god's elect and their knowledge of the truth which accords with godliness and hope of eternal life which god who never lies promised before the ages began now, if you had listened to the message that uh, Pastor Matt put forth on back uh, first uh, Sunday in July, as he went through the book of uh, Second Peter in that chapter, he talked about how that we should add to our faith, knowledge, and he went through and discussed all th- those things as that knowledge or faith are not the end results, and this is what... Uh, Paul is actually saying now to Titus, when he's writing, is he's saying that there is going to be a product that he wants to see Titus as a part of. We'll see that spelled out in the rest of the book, but he introduces it, even his own testimony of introducing the, 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 the book uh, or the letter. And here's how I see it, is that uh, he talks about the faith that should uh, be continually fed with knowledge of the Word of God, which should bear out into godliness. So if you you look at it this way, we have a faith, and it it matters what our faith is in. Uh, Individuals will say, I'm a person of faith, but what are you a person of faith in? Are you a person of faith in what the Word of God says and what the Scriptures say, and are we pursuing a knowledge of what it says? So it's not just enough to have faith, it's enough to have uh, an education or training in what we should have our faith in. And then, as I stated earlier, uh, Pastor Matt uh, filled this out a little bit more, is the idea of it should produce something. In other words, we don't get knowledge just so that we can have more knowledge. It should produce godliness, that our preaching of the word ought to not only just uh, give us some information about who God is, who we are, but it should transform our hearts, and in a work its way out in our actions with others that's what godliness is we're acting like Jesus and doing things the way Jesus would do and so here's just a simple introduction by Paul saying uh, uh, the importance of the faith that is added to it knowledge and again that that will come out into godliness and that becomes our product Let's go over those same verses again, but I want to emphasize something different. So you see there's a, a product there that uh, Paul is going to be talking about in this book of Titus as we study it. So there's a goal. There's something he'd like to see accomplished as uh, Titus continues to further what he's, he's done in Titus's life. But there's also these words here that are emphasized. Notice the bolded, underlined words of those who have the faith of God's elect. And He talks the word truth. He talks about hope of eternal life, a God who never lies, and a God who has promised before the ages began. As as I look at that aspect, not only do I I see a product, I see really a promise. And I wondered, where was this promise made? Where is this promise given from before for all eternity? This is a a promise that wasn't just made because, oh, something has happened and I need to fix it kind of perspective. When God talks about us being elect, he's talking about something that was decided in eternity past, something that blows my mind and I don't fully comprehend, but God in his choosing uh, chose to have me come to know Christ as my personal Savior. I have no idea really why. I've been able to connect the dots in my life and I don't know if you've ever done that and say how did the gospel ever get to me and how did God bring me to him and it's a and it's a beautiful story as I look at and unfold all the different things that had to come into place and quite frankly I would tell you at the time I didn't like many of the things that came into place that brought me to a place to know Jesus as my savior but afterwards hindsight looking back so thrilled that God called me and may be part of his elect. But look what it says in John chapter 17. This is that beautiful passage where uh, we have Jesus' prayer. He's praying for unity. He's praying for uh, the Father to be glorified and for him to be glorified. And as you work your way through to the uh, latter part of that prayer, you see these words. I've emphasized certain ones. But he says, I do not ask... For these only. Now, again, he's uh, emphasizing the disciples that he's been talking about, the ones that were there, the ones that went through that excruciating last week before his death. He says, I don't only pray for them, uh, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So they were going to preach the word. And I, I believe that he's also talking about those who would listen to those words of the ones who believe there and pass it on and on and on to where we are right now where you are part of that prayer as well as he desires for you to have the unity and you to uh, have the same blessings that that Jesus is talking about here as he's praying to the Father uh, who will believe in me through their word whom you have given me uh, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. I believe that the promise that Paul is talking about here in Titus chapter 1 is a promise that was given in eternity past to the Son, that he would have a bride, that he would have the opportunity to have us as the church from very beginning. This was true. It's not some accident. It's not something that just came up because other plans did not work. This is God's design. And as we think of that, we can be better uh, motivated, I think, to fulfill that. Now, when we consider that God has chosen us and he has chosen ones that he desires to come to know him, you would wonder, would we be tempted to just let God do what God does? Why is there a need for us to share Jesus if God has already chosen the ones? Someone should have asked Paul that. Paul preached the the importance of the election of the saints and of those who are chosen, but yet it's hard to find another individual who was more evangelistic than the Apostle Paul. Paul went into cities knowing that they would persecute him but also knowing that God had some chosen people there that needed to hear the gospel so that they would uh, respond to it and Paul was willing to be that servant of the gospel and go through confident that God was going to do what God said he did but what said he would do that promise but knowing that it's his responsibility to continue it on. But this promise came from the beginning of time. Jesus has been anticipating uh, the, the time when he could come to this earth, pay the penalty of our sins, but he's also looking for the time when he will come again and bring us up and we can all spend eternity with him. When we participate in the communion after, this, uh, after the message That is one of the most important aspects of the communion is not only to remember but also to anticipate the time when we can have the great feast with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That this is to remind us as we take it not only of what he's done but what we get to experience with him. And as we, as we look at what his purpose is, we look also at this latter part in verse 3. It says, And at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching which I have been entrusted by the command of our Savior. This is what I believe is really being replaced By the uh, replacing the apostles, Uh, this process that is being established uh, in the churches at that time, and Titus, uh, the book of Titus outlines for us what that looks like. And uh, here's here's what I see. First of all, I see both in Paul and in Peter where uh, there's a replacing of the apostles. I think it's really interesting. We didn't plan this out this way, uh, but God did, uh, that Pastor Kyle talked last week about the value of 2 Timothy chapter 3.16 with the end of the ministry of Paul in Timothy and him encouraging Timothy that he needed the scriptures to, to fulfill what is going on in those difficult days. A replacement of Paul, who is going to be an apostle that's fading out, and Peter... Uh, this is what Pastor Matt talked about as well, as that he was towards the end of his days talking about the importance of the Word of God uh, as, he, as he describes those scriptures that are given. Uh, just as a reminder of that, let's just look at that passage. I'll throw it up here uh, where uh, he says this, uh, Peter has given his testimony. Uh, They're on the Mount, what we call the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, they see Jesus, and uh, they get all excited about hearing the voice. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And here you have Peter giving his testimony. He is able to see all these things. He is one is a first-hand uh, witness of what Christ had done and the greatness of who he is to hear the Father put that stamp of approval on his ministry. But Peter emphasizes this. That, uh, uh, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, knowing this of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, and then later on in that passage, uh, Peter talks about Paul and the rest of the scriptures, that Paul's word is a scripture as well. And not only do we have a confirmation of the fact that the scriptures are from Paul and others that are written here, but we have the reminder that even as Peter, who could put forth his experience of being there with Jesus, he said that was secondary to what we have right now. We have the word of God to help us become more like Jesus and to help us towards that godliness, the emphasis of the importance of the word of God. Which then brings us to the the last aspect that we want to, to, to emphasize is that Paul is going to be sharing not only is it important for the scriptures to be available to all people, but that the scriptures might have someone that helps them that the people might have someone to to minister the scriptures. Paul says, I was given this responsibility of preaching the word of God. And Titus is going to be responsible for preaching Placing elders in the churches so that there is an entity in the churches to encourage godliness. To encourage the learning and the implementing and the equipping of the word of God. And that will be the the balance of what we'll be talking about as we continue in our study of, of, uh, of the book of Titus. Now let's just look quickly at the protege. This is the Titus. This is why we have... The name Titus on this, and why is he writing to Titus? Titus is his child in the faith. He was one who I believe that uh, Paul had led to Christ, he had put his life into him, uh, he had seen just like Timothy had seen all the manner of life that he had, and he was a follower of of paul what 's interesting about Titus is Titus would represent. Really, the apostleship of Paul. Remember, the apostle of the Gentiles. Timothy was half Jew and half Gentile, so he still was a part of some of the Jewish aspects. He was taught by a Jewish mom and a Jewish grandmother, and so he came in from that venue. But Titus represents the Gentiles that Paul was called to reach. And we see that as being so significant that in the book of Galatians, chapter 2, and you might be familiar with the passage where it says that, that Paul had to rebuke Peter because he had given in to uh, some peer pressure in regard to uh, Judaizers and those that felt that Gentiles needed to, you know, go through some different Jewish process to become real Christians. And as a result, Uh, in there, Paul is given that account. But just prior to that, in Galatians chapter 2, Paul talks about Titus. Here's an example Titus. Titus was one that Paul said should not be circumcised or should not go through the Jewish rite. And he says it's because the gospel is is not about people becoming Jewish and then becoming Christian. It's about people becoming Christian. So Titus became, in a sense, that, that illustration of his ministry to the Gentiles, of the fact that we do not have to bring ourselves up underneath the law to experience the grace of God. And so Titus is a very important protege of, of Paul, and we get some information Uh, quickly, and this will play out a little bit more as we study the rest of Titus, as he says this in 2 Corinthians, and that he is God's instrument of comfort. There are times when Paul went through some very difficult experiences. Uh, I remember the name Onesiphorus. I like the name Onesiphorus. It's kind of a fun one to say, Uh, but Onesiphorus is uh, the the, uh, one who oft refreshed him. And that, uh, that, that there are people that God put into his life to be a source of comfort. Uh, that, that's been an encouragement to me. I, I've often wanted to be a comfort to other people. And uh, mostly in the area of bringing them alongside the word and encouraging them in the grace and the mercy of, of, of the word and, and how that they can uh, live in godliness. But just the realization that someone is more refreshed after spending time with me than worn out. That's kind of where I want to be. And it sounds like Titus is that type of a, of a person. It says, God who comforts the downcast comfort us by the coming of Titus. Not only was he a comforter, look what else he is. He is a a God-given care for the people. Paul gives Titus a very high recommendation. He says, but thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. I don't think anyone could debate the care that Paul had for the people he ministered to. He he would put himself out. He would put himself, he would put his whole heart into what he wrote. And I imagine if we had a record of everything that he said, he would put himself out in the way in which he interacted with people. We know he sacrificed greatly so that people would be able to hear about the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Paul had a great care, an earnest care. And he said Titus has that same kind of care. This is why Paul would trust him with what he's asking him to do uh, in the rest of this letter. He had a God-given care for that, that, the, the people, just like Paul did. And what's also interesting is appointed by the churches. He has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us. You'll see a little bit of transition as we try to apply those things that are in the book of Titus, and that you have the apostles, and with the apostles, you have more of a very uh, organized kind of approval system. If you read Acts chapter 15, they had a a kind of a sticky theological issue they wanted to work through, so they got together and worked through, and then had a proclamation that was shared uh, throughout to all the all the churches uh, we don 't have that so much now; we do not have that type of hierarchy in our individual churches. so how the the placing of elders and that type of stuff is a whole different thing in our uh, in our experience as, as a local church. but one thing that we we know is that Titus, in that environment, was one that was recognized by the churches. That there was an official uh, establishment of his ministry to work along with, with Paul. Just as uh, we know from the missionary time when Paul was separated with Barnabas to go out and minister to churches. In some fashion, Titus too had some recognition in regard to that. And then uh, Paul also just says he is a very beneficial partner, that, that Titus was one who added benefit to those that he came into, whoever's life he came into. He was a good fellow worker, a partner that added benefit. Paul wants to uh, encourage us to think about Titus from the perspective of one who is genuine. Remember as we finished up our study on, in uh, Nehemiah, Nehemiah faced so many individuals that he didn't know who he could trust. Some of them were uh, kind of working behind the scenes with Sanballat, some with Tobiah, and he didn't know really who he could count on. And we see chapter 7 of Nehemiah where he picks out uh, two individuals that he felt were true, faithful. They were stable. They were ones that he knew he could trust. I believe Paul has done exactly the same thing with Titus. I am sure that in his journeys and his establishing of churches and his working with people, that undoubtedly there were a number of people that would have wanted to be in the place where Titus is. That they would have looked at the Apostle Paul and said, just as maybe the disciples did with Jesus, I'd like to be his right-hand man. I'd like to be someone that he endorses. I want to be a part of Paul's club. He is one that is having impact all around. Titus, somehow, because of what God had put into his heart and because of his faithfulness and his trueness, as he calls him, a true child, that uh, Titus was one he, he trusted, not only as one to receive what he was talking about, but one to transfer it. Not only to just give information but to also walk people through the process of establishing how a local church should move forward. Titus was one that not only taught them what they should do, he showed them what they should do. And he was, in a sense, coming in to put life on life, just like Paul had done for him. And this makes for an excellent pattern for us as we consider what God wants you to do as a local church. Look how Paul summarizes this introduction. He says, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. Paul uses these words often, uh, grace and peace, and as I think of them, I think of this, this task that's coming about. Titus, you need to go into Crete. And as we look at the Cretans, they were not an easy bunch. Uh, They they had a lot of problems. Uh, There was a lack of truthfulness. Uh, They were called liars. Uh, They they were ones hard to deal with. But Paul says as you go in to do this, here's some things that should accompany you grace, God's grace. Isn't it wonderful that whatever task God calls us to do, he is willing to give us grace in moving forward through it? And that we have God's grace as to, uh, you know, how we should, uh, you know, appropriate things and move forward. And then he uses the word peace. Peace with God, knowing that he is the one to help us through these type of things. That we have God's grace to help us, and we have peace with him, As we work through these things. We're going to uh, transition to our time of partaking of the communion. And the song that we're going to sing is Rock of Ages. And realizing that he is that solid truth that we have. And may that prepare our hearts for a time of communion together. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the privilege of experiencing your grace and the privilege of experiencing a peace with you. My sinfulness, my selfishness, my being an enemy of you was taken care of through the work of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we partake of the communion this morning, that reminds us that we went from being an enemy to being a part of your family. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.